everyone. It's Monday, June 19th, 2017 at one o'clock Eastern time, and this is Admissions Live. I'm your host, Nicole Lentini, and on today's live broadcast, we're talking about data from the EduVentures Prospective Student Survey and discussing the ways colleges and universities can seek to stand out from their peers. We'll also unpack some key student personas and what matters most to them. Admissions Live is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. Our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Be part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge. Participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using the hashtag HigherEdLive. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at higheredlive.com or take Higher Ed Live with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. Today's episode is made possible by NRCCUA, a leader in data-driven insights, direct engagement, and digital marketing. NRCCUA produces the EduVentures Wake Up Call, a free weekly analysis of the most pressing higher education topics. Last week's issue focused on key methods for leading innovation on your campus with lessons from top institutions recognized at the recent EduVentures Summit. So uh, subscribe today <laughs> at eduventures.com to never miss an update. And I'm tweeting a link out as well. Hired Live is also produced by M. Stoner, uh, a digital first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. Trusted by thousands of higher ed professionals, M. Stoner webinars are jam-packed with timely, strategic, and actionable knowledge. Check out their library of on-demand content from digital storytelling to myth-busting websites. And we're, I'm tweeting out a link to that as well right now. Uh, so without further ado, I'm very excited to welcome my guest today, Kim Reed. Uh, so Kim, can you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your history in higher education and in uh, market research? Sure, I'd love to. First of all, thank you for having me here. I'm excited to be on the podcast. Um, so as you said, my name is Kim Reed. I'm a principal analyst here at EduVentures, and my area of expertise is enrollment management. Uh, for over 25 years, I've been involved in research of all kinds in higher ed, from program evaluation to assessment to market research. And for the last 10 years, I've been completely focused on higher education and in particular, enrollment management. So I've done uh, a lot of work over the years in trying to really understand how students decide uh, which colleges are going to apply to and attend, all kinds of market research that really helps institutions think about who they are, the kinds of students they're going to recruit, and how they're going to go about doing that. So really happy to be here. Thanks a lot. Excellent. And we're excited to have you here. I uh, I was sharing before we went live with Kim that I am a big nerd about all this stuff and I'm sure many of you watching are. So, um, so I'm excited to really get into these conversations about institutional identity and this um, this whole idea of kind of these marketing personas and marketing segments. So, um, so why don't we start kind of big picture um, mm -hmm. and really talk, can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, exploring institutional identity and why that's important in this sort of context? Absolutely. Um, so we, over the years at EduVentures, we've done, as I said, a tremendous amount of work looking at how prospective students think about college and university at a pretty deep level. And I think it's no surprise how much that's changed in 10 years and how much the market dynamics that we have today in terms of changing demographics and the increased competition and the cost of higher education and all of the scrutiny on value that we see, how all of those things have been swirling around to make this decision ever more complicated for students. And that means, of course, it's ever more complicated for institutions. And I think it's put us into a time in higher ed where we're looking at undergraduate enrollment in particular, um, to where institutions really have to be introspective and to say, you know, we're out of that time of unparalleled uh, 
enrollment growth. You know, we're really going to have to work hard at it. And not only are we going to have to work hard at it, but it needs to be very meaningful. You know, we need to be enrolling the right inst students in our institution, the students that uh, that are available to us in the market that need service from us, the students that fit our mission, the students that will help us be economically sustainable, all of those things. And so I think that's that reason is driving this need for institutions to really think about who they are and who they want to serve so that they're actually delivering uh, great value, great product to their markets. And that's really something that's going to sustain them for the future. Now, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, I think it's even in my 10 years in admissions, I've seen such a change of really needing to like have that sense of like, well, who are you? You've been kind of cruising along, you know, doing just fine. And now, especially with, I, I think I'm especially sensitive to it living in New England and working for a school in New England, but with the way that the demographics are changing and our markets are changing, it's so important to have this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think we wanted to turn it around too in, in the research that we're doing uh, and say institutions very often when you say to them, well, who are you? They they get very narcissistic about that conversation very quickly, right? Where they mm -hmm. kind of stare deeply at their own reflection and uh, lose sight of the fact that they're actually there to serve students. So what we've done with our um, personas is actually take them out of that very internal um, institutional conversation and say, well, let's see who students are and how you are reflected uh, or not reflected in the students that are in the marketplace. So those two things have to match up, definitely. I love that. Yeah. And I liked in your research too, you were talking about like being honest of, you know, I know you have six different personas that we'll talk about in a bit, but like mm -hmm. really understanding, do we serve all of these different personas? Mm -hmm. Because there may be a component that maybe your institution, it, it's either significantly smaller or doesn't serve well. And that kind of creates its own conversation. Yeah, it does. Um, and I, it, it goes to a difficult question that higher ed um, always has to deal with when you get to the idea of institutional identity and branding uh, is you want to be that distinctive uh, institution that, you know, stands out in the marketplace. But in reality, the problem of higher ed is that if you're a great institution, you actually serve a number of different kinds of students. Mm -hmm. And so there's got to be a middle ground between saying you're all things to everybody or saying that you are, are you know, unrealistically focused on a one type of student. You've got to really understand at a sophisticated level the kinds of students out there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, giving that frame of context, you know, can you talk a little bit about sort of how you came to sure. um, these different marketing mindsets, what they are, you know, what what were you kind of, what were the characteristics? How did you sort of segment out who, who, who these different kind of um, market, uh, markets of students are? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll step back a little bit and say, uh, we've been conducting this prospective student survey at EduVentures now since 2007. And in that time, we ask a lot of this, you know, the typical questions that you'd want to know of students as they decide about which colleges they're going to apply and attend. Mm -hmm. You know, what are their enrollment drivers? Um, uh, where, what kinds of schools they expect to go to? Some of the typical questions. Uh, we found that in research uh, in the past, we'd focus on more at the, you know, more of the aggregate, uh, average type of student, uh, or also look at maybe some demographic differences where we looked at how men behave differently than women or engineers behave differently than education students. And we really thought in this market where we needed a much deeper understanding of the market that we needed to do some behavioral and attitudinal market segmentation mm -hmm. and really say that, you know, you can't define a student by their demographic characteristics always, and you can't define them uh, as, as an average, every student as well. So in order to do that, 
we have, have put a couple of really critical questions on our survey over the years that get at what we think are the three kind of um, pillars of how you could segment students uh, behaviorally. We wanted to know from these uh, prospective undergraduate students, first of all, what do you really believe you want to get out of your college education? So let's start with the end first, right? There's a million things that you could get out of a higher education. It could be a job, it could be critical thinking skills, it could be lifelong friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we asked students to tell us that as a base. And then we also thought, well, as students look at um, the institutions they're selecting to apply to and or, or attend, they're also really thinking about how those experiences they might have while they're enrolled as a student would actually get them to that road. So the second question we ask our students is which experiences uh, uh, during college at during your college education do you think will be important to actually helping you get the outcome you desire? And again, there's a, a, as you know, being in a college campus, there's a broad array of things you can do that are very formal from, you know, coursework and internships or to very informal like conversations you have with your friends and uh, employment and all that kind of stuff. So that's a, a, a wide world of, of student experiences you can have. And then the third thing we wanted to do was also consider um, what are the factors that students think are important when they're deciding which schools are going to apply to? So those application drivers. is Are you really concerned about the cost or affordability? Are you really focused on academics or the social environment or any of those kind of typical enrollment drivers? What we did was take those three questions uh, across our really great uh, survey sample of over 60, uh, almost 60,000 respondents. Um, just as an aside, we're lucky enough to work with the NRCCUA um, panel of junior and senior college-bound students and we're able to derive a great national sample. Um, and with that, we're able to do some cluster analysis. And the cluster analysis is identifying these very naturally occurring market segments based on patterns of responses. And so after doing that uh, and uh, looking at the results, this is the second year we've actually done this type of clustering. And over those two years, we found very consistent what we call student mindsets out there in the world um, that reveal really the different dreams and desired pathways that students have for their college education. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I love I love just hearing all the history of kind of how <laughs> you've kind of come to this too and kind of cultivate it and things along the way. Um, but I think something that resonated a lot with me in both what you were saying and some of the other um, information you've shared with me is um, just the idea of the, the the fact that students obviously are individuals looking for different things, but are kind of come have come to expect that more individualized approach from us as institutions. Right. So, you know, in giving kind of the bigger context of why this is important from, you know, high level institutional all the way down to individual admission counselor, I think that's a huge thing to keep in mind too when, as we approach these. Right. It really is. And I think we've seen that over the years in our surveys of admitted students when we're they're kind of reviewing the whole process they've been through. The number one improvement in communications they want is they just want you to care about them more, mm -hmm. you know, and they want to, they want their individual value proposition. They don't want to feel like they're lumped into a, a group of other students. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think that gives us a good context to these sure. mindsets. So now I'm really excited. Let's let's dig into them. Let's <laughs> talk through what some of them are. <laughs> okay. Without further ado. <laughs> um, yeah. So as I said, we found six uh, mindsets out there and they roughly are about the same size in the population. So the, the largest mindset is about a fifth of all students nationally, and the smallest is about 12% of all students nationally. So that's the first thing it tells us is that there isn't really one dominant type. 
Uh, and just before I get into the actual descriptions, I think that runs counter to sometimes the narrative we see in the news where we only think that students care about affordability and jobs, period, Absolutely. and that's it, right? Yeah. So they certainly do, but they care about them in very different ways. So let me, the first one is called um, experientially interested students or experiential interest students. And if I can describe this students in a couple sentences, these are students who really say, you know, college for me is all about getting hands-on. I want those internships. I want to study abroad. I, I'm thinking about my own employment while I'm in college, and I, I really need that job and that long-term career when I get out of college. That's my focus, okay? It's a group of students who is um, very much uh, sensitive to affordability as well. It's a group of students that has slightly more what you'd call access students in it, so either underrepresented minorities or, um, or first-generation or low-income students as well. Um, so that's one group. The second group is a group you'd call social focus students. And this is that group of students that says, hey, you know what? I'm going to college to make friends and, and get involved in as many act activities as I possibly can. I'm going to make the most out of that social experience in college. My number one driver of interest in, in school is the social environment. And at the end of it, I also want the job and I want lifelong friends, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the same pathway to a different pathway to a career. Mm -hmm. The third group is a very different group, and I call them exploration and meaning students. And uh, these are students who are kind of turning that outcome around, right? So they're not thinking, well, what do I want for myself? They're actually thinking, how can I uh, learn how to apply my talents and benefits to make the world a better place, right? And these are students who are broadly interested in all kinds of academic majors, who are broadly interested in all kinds of careers, who are very uh, kind of socially or sorry, global butterflies, if you'd put them that way, want to do study abroad, uh, very kind of adventurous and open-minded types of students. Um, that's the third one. The fourth one uh, is a group of students called career pragmatists. And this is a, a group of students who definitely wants that career outcome, but they really want it at a very affordable price. And they also want it in what you'd call a comfortable community, right? They're not super concerned about academics. They are concerned about uh, being in a, a, a in a community that has great social interactions and is uh, kind of a friendly place to be. Um, the fifth group, I think I'm on five, is uh, <laughs> career through academics. Again, you see the you see the the uh, common thread here is everybody's driving toward career pretty much. Yep. Um, is that this is a group of students that wants to get that career, but they expect to do it through a pretty integrated mix of really great academics and great career preparation along the way. Um, and of course, because of that, they're concerned uh, almost in equal measure when they look at institutions about affordability, uh, career, and academic strength. And then the last group, the smallest group, which I said is still 12%, it's pretty large, um, are these school students who are really thinking about the next outcome. These are graduate school bound students. So they're primarily saying, "Under we know, I know that my undergraduate education is my stepping stone to professional or graduate school. And for that reason, I care about a lot of things like the strength of uh, undergraduate research, the academic program, um, and really the outcome they're looking for is that entry into graduate school. So as you you can see different pathways and I think what's interesting about them is that they do have some common endpoints. There's a lot of these students who really are thinking about getting that job, getting that career, but there's not one pathway to that and I think it's important for us to understand that um, we have to, we can't just tell one story about career outcomes or about outcomes. We've got to speak to different kinds of students.
Absolutely. Well, and that's something that's jumping out at me the most as you're walking through all these like, yes, we can, you know, we want to talk about life after graduation because those career stats are important and clearly resonant to so many of these or different individuals. But, you know, thinking about our own presentation, and I'm sure other viewers are, are thinking about this as well, it might kind of only cater to one or two of those possibly right. and not, you know, or, you know, kind of casually mention a few of these other pieces, but don't cover the wide array of these different things that students are are making this really important college search and college you know college bound decision on um so it's helpful to have that content yeah that's right and that's where the institutional identity part comes in mm -hmm. is uh there's there's always a difference as you know between um who an institution is and how they express themselves you know you hope those things match up 100 percent, but they never really do and i think um that where institutions get lost is they may they may believe they serve a, pr a particular kind of student, or they may not really understand the kinds of students they serve. And in looking at these six mindsets, it helps kind of clarify the conversation to where they can look at this and look at themselves and say, I think we really do great with um, career through academics and graduate school bound, but I don't think that we do great with experiential interests. How Should we do that? Are, the, are these actually students who are in our wheelhouse? And if they are, how do we work on our uh, on both sides, on the recruiting side, certainly, but also on the um, experience, student experience side to make sure that those students uh, want to come to our institutions and have uh, logical and reasonable relevant pathways for them. Hmm. I, I like that thought that, you know, it's not just, okay, we're figuring out our, our identity and then where do we match, but it's really, it's sort of this kind of cyclical looking mm -hmm. at Maybe cyclical is not the right word, but you know, yeah, like they're kind of, in, they're informing each other in a meaningful way right. rather than one informing the other. And by, yeah, so yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I appreciate that you're kind of, with these mindsets, you're pushing institutions to really take that step back and take a look at, at kind of how they how they address these different needs of these many different kinds of students. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, I think yeah. just to add to that, I think that you're on the right track as well because an institution has a lot of, you know, institutional momentum, right? There's a lot mm -hmm. of history and tradition and, and institutional identity that basically lives in the student body, right? You know, the one way to look at it is that the the uh, the your prospective students are the leading edge of your brand, right? They're the ones who are coming in who are going to make you who you are, and your alumni. And I this is not a terrible it's a terrible word to say, but they're the lagging edge of the brand, right? So that's who your institution uh, was as you go farther and farther back into the the past, and it's it's a constant tension of trying to uh, adhere to who you are. You don't want to really change who you are as an institution while pushing at the edges to find that kind of next step and the next direction that's relevant um, in the world we live in and in your marketplaces, certainly. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're just making me think of the fact that change change can be really hard at institutions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, many institutions move at a, at a glacial pace. Um, and so um, this is sort of, I, I like that thought, although, yeah, it's funny to think of alumni being an alum of an institution as being yeah. a lagging edge, but it's true. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I think sometimes alumni struggle with seeing their institution change, but ultimately to stay relevant and to stay um, you know, valued in the marketplace, and especially with so many competitors out there, it's important to be looking at, you know, what do what do our prospective students want us to be, and how can right. we match that in a way that makes sense to still stay in our institutional identity. Yeah, and there's an important part, uh, subtlety to what you're saying as well, which is this um, survey data that we're looking at is a snapshot of 17 and 18 year olds right. at a particular moment in time when they are just, you know, putting their foot on the ladder of what a college education is. So it's by no means static. 
Um, and it's, it's, but it's the beginning starting negotiation, you know, with this, with this student. So what will happen realistically is, you know, if you recruit these students, they're going to come into your institutions, they're actually going to find that your student experience is going to give them some different outcomes and, and it's going to change their mindset a little bit. And they're going to leave with a little bit of the imprint of your history and tradition, but they're also going to bring in some of this, these new perspectives as well. Absolutely. No, I think I'm glad that you made that point because it's a vital one. And I think um, it's not lost on anyone that, you know, the whims of a 17 year old are, right. are changing, you know, and we all having been 17 at some point in time ourselves, you know, understand that too. But um, it is important and especially, you know, thinking about that impact on alumni and development and that impact on grad school and a lot of other things is important that these, these marketing mindsets are important, but to understand how they can change and grow and how your institution can really impact that. You know, I'm thinking of um, we have a core curriculum that is really, really pushing that idea of critical thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not necessarily going to be something that, you know, maybe every mindset that we bring in or attract is looking for, but ultimately they may find that value along the way and kind of have yeah. that change. And I can give you a specific example of that. If you look at our mindsets mm -hmm. and you go back and you think, how many times did I mention that academics was important to people in these mindsets? Mm -hmm. Not very often. You know, this would be shocking to the faculty that really only the career through academics and graduate school bound students put academics at the very top of the list of things they care about. Um, now, what will happen is a socially focused student will go to your school or a, or a career pragmatist will go to your school, and over time, they will really realize how important the academics are and should be to them. Even within the, sch the scheme of their college search, by the time they move from this application stage to being an admitted student, they already realize that there are other things that are important that they should be paying attention to. So what we're really talking about here with these mindsets is that initial um, you know, kind of pivot point about how do you catch someone's attention to bring them into the conversation you're trying to have with them. Absolutely. Well, and with that, and I feel like we've we've been talking around it, but I kind of want to, you know, I think this is sort of macro level at the institution, mm -hmm. but then, you know, we're, we're admissions live. And so, you know, talking right. about, you know, how can, how can an admission counselor like myself or anyone out there, you know, how can we sort of take this concept and really bring it into our day to day and our week to week and our month to month experiences, um, being out there, being on the road, um, working with students and keeping these mindsets in, in our own minds, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I think uh, every time I've talked with admissions folks and recruiting folks about these mindsets, they kind of recognize them, right? You probably yeah. do. You've seen them on the road. You've talked to these students um, along the way. And I actually think that uh, a lot of admissions teams have this sort of great wealth of kind of uncodified uh, market segmentation data about the students that they're working with. Um, what this can do is, is codify that. You know, it's, it, it's a great kind of conversation to have with your recruiting team to say, okay, if these are the mindsets, who have you been talking to on the road? You know, which of these um, types of students do you see out there? Um, what are the, what are the talk tracks and, and conversations that work with different types of students? You know, if, if you know that a career pragmatist has a big a stumbling point on affordability, how quickly can you find out that they're a career pragmatist? What are the questions you're asking students to, to basically qualify them and try to figure out who they might be um, in these mindsets. So I think there's there's that piece of really just helping admissions folks um, codify and think about the students they're working with and create some more uh, t intentional tactical strategies for working with different types of students and recognizing them.
-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I'm even thinking about just like in my day to day experiences of when I'm talking to students and, you know, I'm thinking of interviews sort of, you know, being in vogue, going back out of vogue, you know, kind of coming <laughs> in and out. But I can see those interviews actually, you know, changing the questions that I ask and the way I speak with students to sort of get a better sense of this and what's driving their, their decision where I don't think my current questions that I ask, maybe they do sort of get to this, but not really, you know, so um, I'm thinking strategies like that. But you're right. I think we do have a sense of it because especially if you've been in, in the profession for a few years you've started to realize that not every talking point is gonna have that same resonance with every student you know and right. so um, while one student might be really excited that we have a really active snowboarding community I don't know you know that's, yeah. you know, that's um, <laughs> right. like, yeah, that well, grad school bound student just doesn't care <laughs> exactly, yeah. we, have, yeah. we have a handful of them but right. um, you know yeah so yeah talking about you know okay how do I kind of learn to navigate the way that I am framing the institution in a way that shows that we can kind of appeal to what that student and what that mindset is looking for. Yeah, the and then, like, yeah, the, other, the, other, the other step to that is then, you know, sometimes you just don't have the materials you need to make the case. Right, and so this is good ammunition, not ammunition, I won't call it that, that's a too, too violent uh, a metaphor, but, but it's good information to be sharing with your marketing and communications colleagues because with this information in hand, you can do all, thing, all kinds of things like really have a, a deep look at your admissions or prospective student website, look at your view books, any collateral you're using, uh, you know, try to look and see, our, do the profiles we have of students that are available on our website or in collateral or the ones we talk about on the, on the road, do you actually have the right stories to tell? Maybe you don't, and maybe that means that then you can help work with your colleagues to kind of find, root out the right stories for some different student pathways in your institution. Yeah, you you beat me to it. I was actually going to ask, you know, like um, this is on the recruiting side, but it but marketing is equally an important part of this conversation. Right. So yeah, I think that definitely the conversation needs to happen around materials that we have on the road and what the website looks like. Right. Um, and I think also adding it in, you know, what our social media um, puts mm -hmm. out there. Absolutely. Um, and I think you know that's one of maybe the nice. Um, aspects of social is that it can hop on these things so quickly and if you kind of can see um, sort of gaps in that you have the opportunity to think okay well how can how can we show how can we tell this story you know and whether that's right. um, a snapchat takeover or yeah. you know profiles on the Instagram right. page or you know something you know whatever that looks like I think that you're right that there's these different spaces in marketing that need to reflect this too because we can't only be doing it on the road and um, right. and that's I can see where all these pieces are coming together right because we're trying to do that on the road, but if the institution's not ready to, to take this on, then students are going to be deeply disappointed once they come here. And, you know, yeah. and it's this bigger conversation. And so I'm glad that you're talking about it at these different levels, too. Yeah, and I think you, we have all these tools like CRM systems and social media and digital strategies that allow us to do some interesting targeting. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be better, if, wouldn't it be interesting if we could actually target by uh, the kind of content and information that students want to have and if we could personalize recruiting by once we kind of figure out who a student is and what they care about by really sending them some pretty well-developed content that speaks to who they think they are. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, well, and so you kind of are giving me some a good sense of sort of how admissions can be thinking critically about this um, mm -hmm. in their experience, but how can an institution kind of 
overall enliven recruiting and the student experience yeah. through these. You know, I, I know you sure. have some good kind of takeaways that I think are really vital to be able yeah. to share with others. So. Yeah, I usually tell people there are really eight steps that you could take um, at an institution to, to utilize this information as well as you could, and some are easier than others. So <laughs> the, the first one is kind of a very big picture one. The first one is to prioritize the mindsets. And that's the kind of conversation that could go on, you know, certainly in your enrollment groups and your marketing communication, but also certainly should involve people in student affairs, the, you know, your executive cabinet, the president, because it really is about who do we think we are. So that's the first piece. And that's where you say, you know, we think that we serve these three student mindsets really well. They kind of fit into the wheelhouse of who we are. And we also think that this other mindset is adjacent and we should bring that student into the fold. So that's a prioritization, you know. Prioritize the mindsets for your institution. That's number one. The, the second thing I talked about a little bit is that, okay, now you kind of know who you want to reach out to. Um, you need to develop your institutional narrative for each of those mindsets. And that's the part where you're working to kind of to learn from alumni and students and faculty on campus about what do students who are following these pathways, what do they do? How can we amass some real profiles and real information about the that arc of success for, for students in different mindsets, right? Um, the third thing you could do is what I also kind of alluded to, which is actually ask students who they are, right? So qualify them into a mindset and really say, what is it you care about? What's on your mind? What are you worried about? That You might use the questions that we asked on our survey, or you might have a, a more specific set of questions that you think really fits the way your institution is. But there's no reason recruiters or, you know, through your um, profiles on websites and, uh, you know, students providing you information that you couldn't c capture who they are. Right? Absolutely. Or who they think they are at this particular moment. <laughs> Fourth thing I also mentioned is really train recruiters and use recruiters to codify um, strategies, engagement strategies. Um, the fifth thing is we get jump back to the marketing and communications team here is to really look at all of your collateral and media and assets and think, do we have coherent and balanced messaging? You know, are we overplaying one of the mindsets at the distraction of others? Let's look at that and make sure that that allocation of stories and overall, um, you know, overall our communications is, is correct. Um, the sixth thing you could do is to personalize recruiting. So you know who they are, you've asked them, you have technology at your fingertips. How can you then begin to do what students said they really want is recognize who I am and provide information that's just for me. Um, and then we get to the really hard stuff, which is actually if you if you take a close look at your institution and you decide, well, we really don't actually have great experiences for experiential interest students or we really don't do that well with graduate uh, bound students, graduate school bound students, you have to look at your academic and student uh, experience, co-curricular experience and say, do we actually have what we need here to support these students well? And then the very last thing kind of brings us back to the beginning. I, I think I said uh, that these are just um, the dreams and desires of 17 year olds who are just putting their foot on the, on the ladder of um, a college education. Uh, this may be where they're, what they want or not, but I think there's a certain kind of empathy uh, where you're recognizing that's who you are right now and we're here to guide you along a pathway that's going to make sense for you. So think about that. That could that could drip into your advising and orientation and really thinking about how do we uh, acknowledge to, uh, with students that we know what's important to you now. We're going always going to keep that in mind, but we're also going to expose you to some other things as you come through your experience with us. So I think if you could manage to do all that as an institution, you'd be in a really great place. Some things are easier than others, as I said. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, yeah, no small tasks, some of those, but yeah. no, but I think those are vital. And I think uh, so many of those are coming up in the conversation naturally anyway. And I think as you learn about these pieces, you you do start to have those conversations of, okay, you know, how, how are we demonstrating these through the stories that we tell, you know, like that some of these points you already covered, but um, these steps are important. And I think kind of iterative in a lot of ways, you know, of looking mm -hmm. back and kind of revisiting them along the way too. So, mm -hmm. um, so I think that's super helpful. And I hope other viewers out there kind of um, sort of looking at the process of how that can fit into their own kind of review of the institutional identity they have and trying to right. look at it um, through this lens. So um, I'm going to take a breath for a minute and remind our <laughs> viewers that, um, you know, and let you take a breath too, because I shouldn't say that you're the one doing all the talking here. But, um, but uh, remind our viewers that if you have questions, use the higher ed live hashtag. Um, I see a lot of great tidbits being shared. Uh, so definitely tune in to just catch those pieces too. But if you have any questions that you'd like me to ask Kim, um, please feel free to tweet them and I will ask. Um, in the meantime, though, um, as we're kind of Looking at all of this overall, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think of the best way to sort of take that first baby step. So, you know, I, I mean, yeah. I thought, if, you know, if I'm an individual counselor watching all this, you know, do you recommend, do I go to my director and I say, you know, this is the information that we learned, you know, like where, like, I guess it might be a strange question, but like, where do you really kind of start the seed of change to really have this type of conversation? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you could share this, certainly share this podcast, uh, this, this, uh, this, uh, this chat live. And also, you know, we have certainly have at Edge Adventure, some of our wake up calls are directed at this topic. So I think information sharing with your colleagues is important. At some point in time, there's usually a kind of a critical mass where people say, you know, we need to talk about this as an enrollment group, etc. So this is actually a very wonderful conversation to have. Um, if you bring this data, to a group that includes your enrollment folks, your marketing communications folks, student affairs, provost, etc., and just say, here's who's out there, here's who we think is we have in our institution, you know, you could look at EduVentures data, certainly, and um, then let's talk about strategy. Let's, that actually gets people moving. And it, and it often gets me, people moving very quickly to find some simple things to do, like making some quick fixes on the website or, mm -hmm. or uh, you know, reorienting uh, some, some programs that they have going. But it also helps them think more long-term about developing enrollment strategy uh, based on the kinds of students they want to serve. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that recommendation. Because I think sure. it's, it can be scary to, like, be so, you know, Intrigued by all this, but you know, like, okay, well, how, do, how do I do it? I'm just so, you know, just to make sure But you can definitely talk about it, you know, and it's, as yeah. I said, I think I said at the beginning, is like you can, here you can talk about it with data as opposed to just talking about it internally with anecdotes. Talk about it with data, it gets a lot of, um, a lot more, uh, uh, it's more interesting, first of all, and it gets a lot more realistic traction to make you want to jump into action based on that data. Absolutely. Um, and we did have a question from Gil. Uh, how can schools get access to the student mindset centered around their school? Yeah, sure. So as I said, uh, we have this wonderful national data set of over almost 60,000 students. And that means that we actually have data uh, related to almost a thousand schools in the country. Uh, so we know what kind of mindsets are interested in which kinds of schools. So if you're interested, reach out to us. You can tweet at me. I think our my uh, Twitter handle is being shared or reach out in some other way. We're happy to uh, get you in contact and see what uh, we can do. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I haven't tweeted it out yet, but it's Kim A. Reed, uh, R-E-I-D, -R right? 
That's right. Okay, Kim A. Reed. So feel free to reach out to Kim either during this live, uh, this live uh, recording or after the fact, um, uh, and she'll definitely get back in touch with you about that if you want to follow up on that. Um, right. I'm not seeing any other questions right now, but I am seeing a lot of great content that people are sharing out, which is exciting. I also saw that Gil gave me a little bit of snark about my comments about change <laughs> being hard. So thank you for that, Gil. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so if anybody has any other insights that they were excited about, you know, absolutely please feel free to continue sharing it uh, on Twitter using the Hired Live hashtag, or yeah, feel free to reach out to Kim or myself and we're happy to share. Um, any any insights or any more information? More likely Kim than me. I feel like I'm still learning all this. I'll probably direct you her way. But um, I don't know. Before we kind of wrap up, any any kind of parting thoughts or things that you want to say to the viewers about all this? I, I think it goes back to where we started. It's like we're really in a time in higher ed where we have to be reaching out to our the students that we out there in, their, in our communities. Uh, with great, um, great experiences. And thinking about students in this way can help us to do both those things. You know, so I think it's important to, to really have this in-depth understanding of students. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kim. I've really appreciated having you on the um, on the show. And um, I know I can tell uh, from all the good content that everybody's sharing that our viewers have as well. Excellent. Uh, so, so yeah, like I said, feel free to follow up with uh, Higher Ed Live. Feel free to follow up with me. I'm N Lentini, L-E-N-T-I-N-E, -E, or follow up with Kim A. Reed uh, on Twitter. And any of us would be happy to chat more with you. Um, oh, Oh no, never mind. Sorry, Nicole Barron. I thought you were asking a question, but she's, <laughs> she loves it while well, listening to her life, also answering questions from prospective students regarding applying to Rutgers this fall. So um, thank you for everybody who tuned in. Um, thank you again, Kim. It was a pleasure. Thank you. To have it was you nice on. to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, my uh, my pleasure to have you on. You're you're invited back anytime, and I'm sure that uh, <laughs> our viewers would agree. Um, and thank you as well as always to our program sponsors NRCCUA and M Stoner. Uh, once again, I'm Nicole Lentini, and I will be back next month with more admissions live. Thanks, everybody.